I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern-day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. Today I'm going to discuss something that seems to have gotten a bum rap. It seems that it's a taboo topic, even in the church, even though the Bible addresses it very plainly. It's something that is seldom talked about, and I believe it is one of the leading problems in the spiraling downfall that we see in our society. Now what could this topic possibly be? Here it is. Ready? One word. Discipline. Or perhaps I should say a lack of discipline. Well, that's three words. Oh, well, I guess it matters if I add a few words. But a lack of discipline, as it seems to me, is a major source of the chaos, confusion, and fear that I'm witnessing in the world today. I'm speaking of a lack of discipline in regard to parents disciplining their children. In the church, with their members, and in some instances, their leadership and a lack of discipline among individuals professing to be Christians. Surely I must be joking. No, I'm not joking. Not even a little bit. Let me say this. I'm a strong believer in the nuclear family. I believe that a nuclear family was God's intended plan. What do I mean by nuclear family? Well, that means one woman, one man, joined together in the holy bonds of matrimony, have children together and raise those children. I'm not talking about raising good kids. I'm talking about raising kids to become good, responsible adults. To accomplish this goal requires discipline on a personal and combined level, as well as equal sacrifice between a husband and a wife. Now, parents don't discipline their children like parents did when I was growing up. If they did so in this day and age, they'd probably be charged with child abuse, or domestic violence. But to discipline a child is not abuse. Child abuse is beating a child in anger and frustration to the extent that they are bruised and or bloody. There's no need for that. However, to discipline a child is to teach them right from wrong, and it is biblical. Proverbs 13, verse 24 reads, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. In other words, if you withhold the rod or the spanking or whatever means is necessary to teach a child right from wrong and not do so diligently, the Bible says that your love is negligent. In Proverbs 29 verse 15 reads, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Discipline and correction builds wisdom in a child. But when a child gets his own way long enough, he or she will bring shame upon their mother. Now, having said that, it appears to me that some mother in today's society have no shame. And finally, Proverbs 23, 13 and 14 reads, 
Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with a rod, he will not die. You will strike him with a rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Now, that's a passage my daddy took to heart. I could tell that it gave him no pleasure to discipline me. But when daddy handed out discipline, you stayed disciplined for a while. Now, some of you may say, oh, that's horrible. That's detestable. Oh, my goodness. No. I never hated or resented my daddy or his discipline. What he taught me was that when he told me to do something, or he told me not to do something, he meant what he said. He never once said, if you don't stop doing that, or if you don't do what I told you to do. No, he never said that. He would tell me what to do or not to do. And if I didn't do as he told me, he would discipline me accordingly. There were no countdowns. There were no timeouts. He told me what was expected of me, and I knew that he meant for me to live according to his expectations of me. Yes meant yes. No meant no. Today, tomorrow, and forever. And he didn't waver. Ever. You see, when I did something that he told me not to do, or I didn't do something that he told me to do, it was perceived as disrespect and rebellion. You know what? It was. In other words, I had missed the mark or sinned in the eyes of my father, and I was disciplined. Sometimes that would mean a spanking. Sometimes that would mean a serious scolding. Depending upon the offense, both were equally effective. I knew that if I was scolded for something, the next offense on my part would be painful. But you know what? I've never been in jail. I've never harmed another person that didn't mean me harm first. I've never totaled a vehicle. I never would consider drinking and driving, or drinking for that matter. For the most part, I've been a law-abiding citizen all my life. For the most part. Am I perfect? No. Never was, and I doubt I ever will be. But I know what is right and just. I know what is wrong, and I know what is unjust. I never brought shame to my mother, and my soul was rescued from Sheol, which is an Old Testament word for hell, by my daddy's discipline. When my mama and daddy said, be still or be quiet, that's what I did. If I didn't, I knew there were going to be consequences that would have to be endured. If they said, go there, do that, then that's what I did. And if they said, don't go there, don't do that, I knew better than to go there and do that. Because if they ever found out that I disobeyed them, it was game on. Now, I don't mean that their wrath would fall upon me. No, their discipline was deliberate and crystal clear. Boy, didn't I tell you not to do that? Or son, didn't I tell you to go here and do that? If I drew their discipline, it was because I had disobeyed or rebelled, drawing that discipline upon myself. That's on me. I owned it. Now let's talk about discipline in the church briefly. 
In Matthew 18, verses 15 through 20, it reads, If your brother sins, go out and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. In other words, he get the boot. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, that if two or three of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am in their midst. Now that's pretty plain and simple. I've seen it accomplished in that exact manner. I've seen extramarital affairs dissolved and addictions broken among brethren. I've seen financial issues resolved among church leadership. I've also seen it not work where people would resign from the church and fall away from the pew and the pulpit. But I want to go back and address verse 19 again. And it says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. Again, I say to you, well, when was the first time Jesus made mention of these things? Well, that'd be in verse 18, which read, Truly, I say to you that whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Hmm. Could it be that that, that which we do not tolerate in church will not be tolerated in heaven? Or worse yet, what we tolerate in church will be tolerated in heaven? May it never be. Tell you what you do. You folks that love to tout where two or more gathered there, I am also, whatever you ask together, my Father in heaven will give you. Think about this. Two or three of you get together, in Jesus' name, and ask for a shiny new Ferrari by the end of the week for all three of you and see how quickly it shows up. This passage is talking about church discipline and the love of the saints for one another, lifting them up in prayer. I suppose that's enough about church discipline other than the fact that there needs to be discipline brought back to the church as much as there is for parents to discipline their children. But what about the individual professing Christian? What need do they have of discipline? Well, the Bible covers that as well. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, it reads, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines them, and he scourges, that means whips, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? 
But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in his holiness. All discipline, for the moment, seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Wow. Now, if I remember correctly, Proverbs 23, 13 through 14, and this passage in Hebrews 12, were the only passages underlined in my daddy's Bible. He was thinking of God's love for him as much as his love for me. Let's look at that verse by verse and do some uh, what the old folks would call cogitating. In verse 5, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. Don't take lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't take it lightly. Believe me, I didn't take my daddy's discipline lightly. I don't take the Lord's discipline lightly either. Why? Because I have a greater reverential fear of God than I did for my daddy. I don't take the Lord's discipline lightly. I didn't dare faint when my daddy administered discipline, and I'm certainly not going to faint when my heavenly father administers his discipline. If I am disciplined, I brought that on myself. I own it. Verse 6, For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines them, and he scourges, whips every son whom he receives. Now notice God loves those whom he disciplines. I know that mom and dad loved me, but I'd take my spankings because they loved me and they did not want to see me walk a wrong path that would lead to my ruination. Notice that God scourges, yes, whips every son whom he receives. Notice that? Why? Well, we're getting to that. Verse 7 reads, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Okay, because we are children of God, and God being our heavenly fathers, he deals with us as children. The question is asked, what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Now, judging from what I've seen over most of the last two generations, there are a lot of mom and dads who do not discipline their children. However, I'd bet my last gold monkey that God has not changed on his stance about discipline. Chapter, verse 8 here. But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. If you're a Christian, you partake in the Lord's discipline. And if not, then you're not his children. A King James, for those of you who are partial to the King James, would call a non-partaker of the Lord's discipline a bastard. Just say it. Verse 9. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not 
much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Yes. I had an earthly father who disciplined me, and I respected him because he demanded my respect and obedience. Should I not submit to the discipline of God out of the same reverential fear, respect, and obedience? Verse 10. For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. I was 33 years old when Dad died. He disciplined me through all that time, even into adulthood, not necessarily by imposing a spanking as he did in my earlier years, but trying to impart wisdom to the son that he loved. He did so that I might live into adulthood, gain some wisdom, prosper, and have a better future than his past. Now that's love. God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. Ever heard, I'm holy, you be holy. Ever heard that? Verse 11. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Here it is. All discipline seems sorrowful. We're not getting our way. That's in regard to our parents' discipline as well as our Heavenly Father's discipline. But the rewards of our parents' discipline is to grow into responsible, respectable adults. The reward of our Heavenly Father's discipline is the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Notice I didn't say that the reward is righteousness. It's the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's the payoff. What does that mean? What does that even look like? Well, Paul wrote in Philippians, first chapter, verses 9 through 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent. Justified discipline plays a part in that. And in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now, some might say that the fruits of righteousness are the same as the fruits of the Spirit, but here Paul describes something a little different. He mentions abounding love, knowledge, discernment, approval for what is excellent, and justified discipline would be a part of that. And being sincere and blameless, continuously being filled by the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ, not the Holy Spirit, that our thoughts, words, and actions bring glory and praise to God. Are you still not convinced that this world and the church are suffering from a lack of discipline? Okay then I've done a poor job. I'll pray about it some more, and I'll revisit this at a later time. But before I depart, I want to revisit the Old Testament book of Psalms and a passage that I'm certain that we are all familiar with. And that is Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, whether you realize it or not, this one verse has a lot to unpack. It took me a little while to get the whole gist of it, but here's something that I wish you'd think about. Consider, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death for a moment, now my daddy's discipline was often invoked because I had been disobedient. My disobedience was leading me into an area which I could have been seriously injured or injured someone else or caused some damage that would cost money that we didn't have to repair. I was walking through the valley of the shadow of death, so to speak, and his discipline was to remove me from that valley and out of that shadow. Our Heavenly Father watches over us in a like manner because he does, he watches over us, I fear no evil. How can I do that? Because my dad disciplined me so that I would live long enough to acquire wisdom so that I can trust God. And the passage reads, for you are with me. Because you are with me, I fear no evil. God is with us, and when we stray off the path, he disciplines us to bring us back onto the path. Now pay very close attention to your rod and your staff. They comfort me. In terms of shepherding, and Jesus is the good shepherd, Psalms 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The rod and the staff are two different things. They may be the same implement or the same tool, but the rod is for correction. The staff is for direction. Do not mistake or confuse punishment for correction or wandering for direction. The Hebrew word for rod here in Psalms 23 is the same as for the rod that we found earlier in Proverbs that is used for discipline. The rod is for discipline. The staff was for direction. Here's the clicker. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We can fear no evil because we have the discipline of the Lord through the rod and his guidance and direction through his Holy Spirit. In both, we are comforted, or we should be. I look around and I see a nation falling. Why? Because of a lack of discipline, undermining the nuclear family, the church, and in ourselves. Let me share a story briefly with you. I have a hobby that I get to enjoy for oh maybe 60 to 80 hours a year i enjoy woodworking not with power tools mind you but i go out and find old hand tools and restore them for their intended use hand planes hand saws brace and bit that's a hand operated drill for those of you who may not know and so on I go out to my little shop and I take rough sawn piece of maple or walnut and plane it down by hand until it's smoother than sandpaper can get. So smooth, in fact, that sometimes I have to roughen the surface a little bit with sandpapers just so that a finish will stick to it. I disciplined myself to take very precise measurements and make very accurate saw cuts. Nothing I build has a screw or a nail holding it together unless there's a metal hinge involved. 
I take the time to shape and mold pieces of wood to fit together to make something useful that meets my intended purpose for the piece. That takes discipline, and lots of it. It is truly old-world craftsmanship. It's old school. You see, that's how I discipline myself in my walk with God. I pray and I read in His Word every day. I meet with Him every day without fail, not because I have to, but because I want to. It brings me joy to be in His presence. This self-discipline was not easy at first. Sometimes I didn't want to meet with him because there were other things that I wanted to do or I thought I needed to do. It took a hot few years to realize that I needed God to get all those things that I thought I needed to do done. Now, I can't wait to meet with him. I've learned to establish my priorities through discipline. Does God discipline his children? I hope so for our benefit. Have I been disciplined? Yes. I've spent my time in the woodshed with God. Here's the thing about God's discipline. Sometimes the discipline comes in the form of a quiet whisper within your spirit, convicting your heart to repent of something. At other times, it seems that God kicks the door off the hinges to get your attention. Now, I've heard the whisper in the past, and I've had my doors kicked off the hinges a few times. I recommend listening for the whispers. That takes discipline. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. A lack of discipline has invaded our land. You have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom. <laughs>